0: Hey guys, welcome back to Untucked. I know it's been a couple of weeks. Um, we have a exciting episode for you today. We're joined by our business partner and friend Owen Mulhern. Um, today we are going to discuss market timing, um, security selection, and a lot of the things that investors are unfortunately led to believe um, make make investing easy and. Um, how they're really not. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the habits and practices we've all developed as a result of the pandemic and whether or not they should be here to stay. And then finally, we're going to discuss the good old days and why, how that happens, why we feel that way. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy. The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own, and they do not reflect the opinions or views of FC Advisory, the Financial Coach Group, or the New Wealth Project. Nothing discussed on this podcast should be interpreted as investment advice. Welcome. To the 50th episode of Untucked. This is Megan
1: and Mike, and this is Jeff.
0: And we are joined today by our business partner and friend Owen Mulhern.
2: Good afternoon, everybody. <laughs> Great to have you. Great to be here, Jeff. It only took 50 episodes to get me. <laughs> My, I've been holding out. So,
3: <laughs> did you guys know that the boss, Bruce Springsteen? Mm-hmm. Has never had a number one hit.
1: I'm assuming you know that. And uh, Mike, you know that. Why? Because I'm just, because I'm old. Because you're I'm old Bruce, and white. I'm a Bruce guy? Yeah. No, you're you, not a Bruce guy. Really? Not, no. And I'm so glad to hear that you never had a number one hit. Mm. But you would think Bruce Springsteen would have had a number one hit, wouldn't you? Yeah, probably. Is the boss like a
2: self-proclaimed boss?
0: Is that a potential top five that you just took from somebody?
1: No, because if,
2: <laughs> if anyone had the boss in the top, I'm going to put my hand
1: down.
3: <laughs> I mean, look, I, I had my fact prior to, uh, to
1: the, that. The only one that would have even, I don't know, I think like born to run, would have been Ugh. the only candidate, even though, like, Sneak. right? Wasn't, is that born in the USA? No, I think it's off of the album, Born in the USA.
2: Baby, We Were Born to Run. <laughs> yeah, Should we sing it for him? Yeah. Anyway.
1: Um yeah, I mean, Jeff, that's not a bad fun fact. Thanks, Mike. It's not a bad fun fact. It's not good.
2: But Megan, <laughs> you get beat up every week yeah, for your every fun week. fact. I mean,
1: <laughs> I'm with you. On, I'm on your side this time. Thank yeah. you. Thank you.
0: All right. Mike? Oh,
1: man. Yeah. What? Oh, Philly sports. Oh. Oof.
0: just feel like you may be – because we haven't done this in a while. So last time we recorded, I yeah. think we were high on the fly, guys. Um, I think I said they were no? trending down so oh,
1: yeah. Okay. yeah, it was a few weeks ago. Okay. Things were starting to unravel. Um, wheels fully came off the bus. It's one thing to <laughs> get blown out, whatever, nine to nothing. But then to get it done again and again and then again and then losing to the Sabre. I mean, it's, it's just been – an atrocious month of March followed by not much more here. And I mean, they realistically, they haven't been, they were not going to make the playoffs as of call it three weeks ago. I mean, mathematically. No, but you just watch the way that they're playing, how inconsistent, how terrible individual performances have been up and down the lineup for the, for the year overall. I don't know that there's a more disappointing team this season in the league other than possibly the Buffalo Sabres. Sure. Uh, what do you got on this?
2: Well, I mean, I think you bring up Buffalo. We're the only team, we, the Flyers are the only team in the NHL that loses to the Sabres. Mm-hmm. Every time Buffalo comes to town, I get nervous cause they, because they beat us. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, f- I feel the same way. Jeff, you have commented in the past on the, on, on the podcast about Philly sports just being s- super inconsistent. The Flyers are inconsistent, like shift to shift period to period it's it's unbelievable like they'll look like world beaters and then they'll look like an ahl team in the span of like a period
1: yeah and i think one one thing that i've watched so believe it or not i continue to watch their games (laughs) just because i can't not and and what's amazing to me is how often they are out competed along walls and for 50 50 pucks it's incredible how often they lose puck battles and that's if you do that all the time you're going to pretty much lose games all the time that's kind of blocking and tackling 101 and I I don't it's hard to pinpoint what that is I mean some people want the coaches fired some people want the team assets sold off and a reboot I don't think either one of those is going to happen soon
2: but aren't Um, but aren't they in like playoff purgatory they're only like what four points back or like, isn't that the worst place to be? Wouldn't you rather be like a hundred percent out of it and you can sell, or you're all in and you can buy? Like,
1: well, I they think signed 100% they signed out of it. I they mean, signed
2: Scott Lawton today. Yeah, I'm not sure if anybody heard the sheriff's back in town for five
1: years. Yeah,
0: missed that one.
1: He's good in the room, Meg. He's good in the room. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, but but the trade deadline this year was weird. It was a really hard one to do anything significant because of the cap stuff and because of the weird season and, and there'll be a lot of stuff in the off season I would expect um I, I would actually be surprised that they didn't finally unload some of their core guys that are are not going to be core guys next year not going to be flyers next year I just I just don't think that there's any more there can't be any more patience to, to say okay the 21-22 season we're going to all of a sudden show up with the same group and and win I mean
2: is your rule they, on that list
1: if 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 they can work out a way to, yeah, I mean I don't think there's an, an untouchable on the on the whole team. I, I don't even think Provorov's untouchable. I Pro, Carter Hart. They might want to give him a little bit more time, and say no way you can't have him. But every other guy on this roster is, is is um. Available for the right price, I think. Yeah, they should definitely hang on to Carter. I mean, he's got a goals-against average of 14.2. <laughs> Jeff just goes by how many times he's been pulled, and and that's how good he is. Or it's bad every other is. start. He gets pulled a lot. He wasn't good, but he's – I mean, he's so young. He has turnstiles playing in front of him on a nightly basis. Yeah,
3: I'm, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I continue to watch t- – Sorry. I continue to watch as well, and it's unfortunate because they had games they needed to win to win that they could have won that they lost. Like I think the Bruins, they went to overtime. It was four on four or three on three. It was the worst three on three I've seen them play. They were so bad, and it's like guys, you need to beat this team. That's what you were talking about, getting beat on the boards, losing. Like they just, it's over. It's well, over
1: Well, the other thing is, remember they've played nobody other than the same what, six teams all season. And anytime you watch a good team in this league that they haven't played yet, you go, oh my god, <laughs> they it gets swept in four games in the playoffs against, you know, there's there's ten teams that would just, you know, dust them off and send them packing. So even making the playoffs would have been a one and done anyway. So eh, chalk yeah, chalk it up next year. Yeah, or maybe one on after. From the Flyers.
2: <laughs> I know. I can't wait till we host Lord Stanley's. Been waiting <laughs> my entire life.
0: You think that's going to happen in your lifetime?
2: Yeah. Despite being like a through-and-through Philly fan who, you know, is pessimistic at his core, every year I feel like the Flyers are going to win the cup. (laughs) Even when we had Trent Klatt, I felt like we might win the cup.
1: Go ahead, Meg. We got Meg.
0: Well, the Sixers are at the top of the Eastern Conference, officially a half game ahead of the Nets. They played Dallas last night joe was awesome and like didn't have to play the fourth quarter which is great um i've been doing this thing where when they're blowing a team out i watch the third quarter because like they'll be blowing a team out going into halftime and then first five minutes of the third quarter they're down by 12 so i watch the third quarter and that's when i feel like i can go to bed and i've been able to do that a couple times recently (laughs) so we're making progress um yeah, Joe was hurt for a little bit, came back, and is playing really, really well. And the rest of the team, Ben Simmons aside, is, um, you know, playing pretty well too. <laughs> Wait, wasn't
2: your take a couple weeks ago that he's the worst offensive player in the NBA while he might be a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year? Yes,
0: which if you're at as bad as he is at offense, you shouldn't be allowed. To win the defensive player
2: of the year. Oh, it, it's a combo package? It doesn't
0: have... Like, I don't think it's a combo package, but if you're irrelevant offensively, like you're 8-4-4, four, and four, Ben, no, no. You shouldn't be able to win defense. I don't care if you shut down the best player on the other team more often than you don't.
2: Has LeBron ever won defensive player of the year? No. And Jordan did?
0: I don't know.
3: Yes. The okay. answer is yes.
2: Multiple times. But because Multiple I th- times. Yeah, I'm
3: pretty yeah, sure he won Defensive right. Player of the
2: Year more than once. All right, get the Google search going. Well, I, I don't watch a ton of Sixers, but I did tune in last night because I knew I'd have to have a take
0: <laughs> on the
2: pod or at least maybe bring a little something. Um, I thought what was fun about the game last night, and, and the NBA is not really my cup of tea, but I was impressed with Embiid because he was not only really good – he also seemed to be having a lot of fun Mm -hmm. and now who doesn't love like when you're dominating but like I feel like when he's playing that way correct me if I'm wrong it seems like he's his dominant self like he's an almost an unstoppable force Um, when he's has a bad attitude I've seen nights where he doesn't seem to have a good attitude and he's not he's not a he's not the force that he could be
0: yeah he he takes himself out occasionally I would and this is this is me probably defending him too much, as Jeff would, would say. Um, I think a lot of that comes from the poor play of the people around him. Like when he plays well and everybody vibes on his energy, then things just look easy. They look like they're having fun. The bench is into it. Um, but if he's down and then there's nobody, like Tobias isn't having a day or Seth isn't knocking down jumpers, they just, everything is painful. And because he's such an integral part of both sides of the ball, like, his energy does have have, have much more impact than, than the rest of them. And not to keep shitting on Ben, but, like, their second best player, it doesn't matter. Like, his energy does not affect anybody else's, which I think is probably problematic, but. Yeah,
1: <laughs> just a
3: little. <laughs> Embiid's sourpuss face when he's not playing well is my only knock on the guy. Mm-hmm. Like I, like if you want to get to the greatness that I'll consider greatness, you got to just, you got to fight through that stuff sometimes and stop being such like a Debbie downer and a baby. But I'll take that as his only weakness any yes. day of the week. Yes. Yeah. So they're tied for, or, uh, yeah, they were tied for first going in the last night. Yeah. They're in first place. Yeah. And everybody seems to think that if, if and when they play Brooklyn, like Brooklyn's going to win. I just don't. I don't feel that way. I, mean, I think it's a it's a coin flip. The Sixers can beat Brooklyn in a seven game series, no doubt.
0: Yeah, I. I, I mean, I, yes, I think they're capable of doing it. There's just a lot more that has to go right for the Sixers. The margin of error is smaller. Brooklyn is led by three of the most gifted offensive players I've ever like in my experience as an NBA fan have ever seen play. And Kevin Durant's not 100% and um James Harden's hurt right now and you know Kyrie's playing out of his mind. So like there a lot of things have to go right for them too, but the margin of error is just it's smaller for the Sixers. So do I think it'll be a series? Sure. Yeah. Um
2: Sixers losing 6. <laughs> <laughs> we get a preview I think this weekend, right? Yes. Tomorrow. Yeah
3: tomorrow they yeah. played they play Wednesday night awesome in, in in the Wells Fargo Center
0: yeah with
2: 17 people
0: yeah I think give or take yeah um so yeah I mean it's exciting it's the best team that the Sixers have had in my lifetime yeah and that's cool <laughs> so
2: do you think they'll win a championship in your lifetime
0: If it doesn't happen this year, I don't know. Like, this is definitely their their best chance. I mean, Joe's window is, is short. Um, and he's playing at a level that we've never seen him play and that I don't know that we will continue to see him playing at. Um, Tobias is a completely different player than he was last year, and I don't know if we'll see that again. So...
1: Um, so all my this, chips are <laughs> saying right. in your lifetime, you don't think that if, if it doesn't happen now that there's no shot, not no shot. You didn't say that, but or is it that the NBA is so unique now and that all the all the top players want to play with their buddies and they just go to whatever city they can make that happen in. And if you're just a regular franchise, you, you, you're going to have a really hard time.
0: I don't know if it's either of those. I I guess I just have never. I I can't picture it. I don't. I don't know why. I I don't know if it's just because I'm a pessimistic Philly sports fan who doesn't expect anything. Um, They've never been this close. It's never felt this real. Um, So, so I, I can't imagine feeling it again. And like I'm 31, like I friggin' hope, (laughs) but uh, I don't know don't know
3: so should we go right to phillies or do we have any eagles talk we're talking about the phillies my god i mean they're top of the nl east oh Oh, yeah the
1: season started what are they like are they four zero or something they're
3: six and three like they played nine games (laughs) they play their 10th game tonight came out of the gates hot swept the braves in the opening series took two of three from the mets And then took one from the most recent series with the Braves, which gets them at a solid six and three. Bats are looking alive. Pitching is decent. Bullpen is decent.
1: Can I ask a question? This is baseball-related, not Phillies-related. I heard this, and I honestly did not know this to be the case. There's a new rule that extra innings starts with a dude on second? Yes. What?
3: Yes. It's awkward. I think we
1: covered this. We did? We, wait, I don't think so, because no, somebody wait. told said that uh, the other day, and I couldn't believe it was true.
0: So for both teams, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you go into top of ten, and a dude just walks out to second base, yeah. And then you start the bat. Who yeah. is it? Is it a like the last guy who batted?
3: They take the oldest player on the team, no. and they bring his father <laughs> to run from second base.
1: No, I, I, mean, I just it's shocking. Baseball is the most traditionalist, like stuck in the mud sport. I mean, they still have the managers dressing up like they're playing the game, and then they, oh, they, then they definitely make a, covered that a rule change like that. Dude, I, the first time
3: I saw it, I rewound my DVR sixteen times because I was like, "They went to commercial.
1: What did I miss?" Because there's a guy on
3: second, and I figured out after the game that yeah, they what, start. What
1: they, they can't deal with the odd eighteen inning game now and then. I mean, come on. Because the Flyers went to five overtimes. <laughs> they're real men, hockey
3: players. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, sorry to interrupt your no, no. point there. Obviously. That's a great point though. I didn't even know about that new rule. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the three games I watched this year, I'll I'll keep an eye on for
3: that. <laughs> All right. So Phil's are looking promising. It's early, obviously, but uh pitching was looking really good in the first couple series. The last series against the Braves, it was pretty obvious that uh they, they, they they're not perfect. Is so, it we'll a see. full
1: one sixty two game season? Do you know?
0: I think it is.
3: Yeah, I'm not sure. I think they're
0: 162 fans. Like Mm -hmm. They're trying to do everything as normally as possible. I mean, certain cities aren't having full capacity, but... Eagles are spiraling as an organization. Yeah, did you read the the article?
3: I did not read it. Oh, I didn't either. But I I heard chatter about it. Atlantic had a big article about just the dysfunctionality of the Eagles organization. Yeah. And then you think about it, it's like, Peterson left, Deuce Staley left, Carson Wentz left. Like, holy shit. Something's wrong with this Didn't organization.
2: leave too, the defensive coordinator's gone.
3: Gone, yeah. Like, why are all of these... Imp- like, Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl. Deuce Staley <laughs> won a Super Bowl. Why did all these people... Carson Wentz was the reason they got to the playoffs and won a Super Bowl. They're all gone. It's crazy to me now that I, like, reflect on it. And it's all settled, and it's in the past. And you start hearing about like Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman. Like, don't let like they're they're going to the coaches and telling them how like football should be played.
1: That's like, yeah, which that's is crazy. It's the worst.
3: Crazy, like they think they know football more then than the, the coach they yeah. hired to yeah.
2: do the X's and O's and strategy. Yeah. yeah, hasn't Jerry Jones been doing that in Dallas for Probably, like yeah. a generation?
0: And not y- yielding great results.
2: No, unsuccessful. He hasn't won.
3: He, he hasn't won anything with it.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So, so if we're ranking our teams, it's Sixers one. It's I guess it's,
1: it's Philly, gotta be Philly. Philly. It's
0: Philly like, two. <laughs> oh god.
1: I mean, I'd still put the Flyers ahead of the Eagles. I, I think I would too. Right. I think I would too. Yeah.
0: All right. Coach's corner. Yeah. How you can quickly go from beating the market to lagging the market. This is written by Sam Rowe for Yahoo Finance. Sam's article touches on a couple of the fundamental elements of our investment philosophy as asset managers in an evidence-supported, very concise, easy-to-read way. Topics such as market winners becoming market losers, market timing, and beating the market are discussed.
3: So I love this article, mainly because it was super short. (laughs) But... I read the headline and I was like, oh my God, here we go. Like another market timing article straight out of Yahoo Finance. I can't wait to read this one. And I was shocked at how, I hate to say like well-written it was, but how concise the points were specifically at the end of the article about timing and selection and trading and the risks involved with that and what's really important when it comes to investing.
2: Agreed.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, it's it's we talked about this a lot, and it's it's simple points, but it's really just like, you know, every investing strategy works until it stops working. You know, if, if it was just buy a bunch of big tech stocks for the past few years and be thrilled with how smart you are, um, your returns are great until one day they're not. Value investing worked for a long time until it didn't. I mean, and and it's over and over and over again. So. Really, the point is just about how, and to me, it's it's the same thing, where the short-termism and the focus on calendar results and returns over this short period of time are all going to lead to the same outcome, which is that you're going to have mostly an unsuccessful time trying to time and select and pick themes or what have you. And it wasn't really talked about that much, but the the importance of extending your time horizon and allowing all the returns to accrue to you is really the only way to do it. It's very boring, but that's what you got to do.
2: One of the things that I took away from the article was kind of pisses me off because I think this is the part that the layperson or I'll, I hate to call them the average investor, but but most people just don't just don't know, and that is when these investment companies, mutual funds, investment styles fall out of favor, they just get repackaged. Um, they they literally will, like these fund companies will just either close the doors or they'll like rename the fund or they'll merge it into another fund. And it's it's kind of a sneaky move. And, you know, the the average investor isn't aware that in the dark of night, you know, an investment that they were hoping was gonna work out is now, you know, a New name, a new fund, a new manager, a new style, or whatever. Um, it seems like disingenuous and, and sneaky. I, I just don't like it. Um, I thought what the, the, the stat that stood out to me was there's a 98.4% chance that a top quartile um, fund will not stay in the top quartile for the next four years. Whoa. Um, and unfortunately, most investors are looking in the rearview mirror. They're picking what has already done well. And unfortunately, the stats say they're, they're in for a maybe a rude awakening. So,
3: yeah, I think that's one of the biggest points to take away from that. And Mike, you brought a lot of this research here when you came here about that, about the, the top stocks in a fund or the top stocks for a year typically trend down the following year, or that can happen. Um, and what did you just mention? Yeah, 98% top quartile
2: funds. Yeah, just the
3: how like they, they can't stay on top forever. And a lot of people are buying past performance instead of investing based upon, okay, I should have these investments based upon my three, five, and 10 and 15 year goals. It's all, oh wow, what did really good last year or the last three years? Let me look at their 10 year. And they, they make that, like I remember talking with a client years ago and I sent him like a reallocation form and it said, you know, I want, like this is what I want you to buy, the percentages of each fund. And like 10% was in international or 15%. And he sent the form back and he crossed off 15 and he made it like 30 or 40. And I was like, hey, Bob, like, why did you, I noticed you changed something. Like, what did you, he's like, oh, well, I was looking at like how well it did. So I wanted to, I thought we should have more in that one. And it turns out, again, just luck that International ended up getting killed the following year. And we changed it back before we submitted it because I had gone through it with him. Like, look, that we only want to keep X amount in International for these reasons. And I think that's for your long term. So we got it, but it's crazy how often that is just the way investors are wired to and you see it with individual stocks too, right? How many people wanted to buy more Amazon and more tech and and, and the focus on tech in the last year to 18 months.
0: It's also though just how the information is presented, right? Like in that example or, or 401ks, for example, right? The the investment options that you're given, it's like the ticker the name, and then the last year, three years, five years, 10 years. It's the first piece of information that's displayed to anybody. I mean, average investors, what other, what else are they supposed to use? Like part of me, you know, like, is it their fault that, that they're making decisions, you know, in an area where I, I think, I would hope, you know, admittedly, many of them don't have an expertise. They're deciding based on what's in front of them. And, that's the pro that's part of the problem like none of this there's not like this article isn't attached to your 401k fund options right right it, and it's just it's unfortunate that you know we're given such limited information and then we we get mad at people for making decisions based on the information yeah. that they have
1: and and also the the reality is is that what happens in the markets in the short term I'm talking about a day or a week or even a month is noise it's noise there's usually almost nothing if not nothing that you can attribute that drove the market's return today. And but there has to be headlines written about. There have to be talking heads discussing what the specific reasons for why the uh, you know, the the S&P was and they don't use that, they'll say the Dow was down, you know, 100 <laughs> points today or whatever. It's noise. It's not it's it's only not noise over time as new information and expectations bleed into the marketplace and that takes time. It takes years really. Business cycles, all that so if you, if, you can't, if you can't understand as an investor how to sift out that daily noise and short-term noise, it's going to be really hard to avoid looking at these Teslas of the, and, and, and different sectors that are going wild and, and, and having the FOMO, you know, if you're missing out yeah. or whatever. So, um, and that's what, unfortunately, our job is a lot of the time, is to just remind people of the realities of the markets.
2: Maybe the only thing I'm, I might add, uh, you mentioned lengthening the time horizon. Um, <clears throat> I think that uh, one of the ways that you can help somebody or people can think about their money is to is to compartmentalize it, to segment it. Um, we do it here at work all the time. It's, it's like you're going to have a goal like in six months, big, a big trip, and you're going to have a goal in three years, like putting a kid into college. You're going to have a goal in 10 years of buying a second home it's really then thinking about how you should allocate money differently or uniquely for each of those goals. So not only looking like longer term, like not looking at what did that investment do in the last year, but lengthen the time horizon because everything will get fleshed out over time, but also kind of thinking and segmenting your money in a way, like we use buckets here and, and bucketizing your money in some way so that the, the way you're investing reflects that particular goal. That's easy for us to say because we do it all the time. But I right. think if if there's any lesson that we can teach anybody, it's kind of matching or marrying the strategy to the actual goal. And I don't think the news media ever spends. Maybe this guy, Sam Rowe, did it, but it's it's helping people understand that it's not past performance you should focus on. But it's like kind of number one, what's your goal? And then only after you've defined that should you then think about your asset plan or your investment plan.
0: But then we get into the media, to Mike's point, and it's like, well, why can't I just own Tesla for a year, right? Like then, so it's, it's the goal and, right, it's the allocation policy that's appropriate for that goal. But then it's the education and, like, you can't have the money you need for that house purchase in six months in anything but cash. Right. And you have to be okay with that. Because if we turn your $50,000 into twenty five, then what are you going to do? I mean, I got off a phone call 10 minutes ago. And the people asked that. Well, we're gonna buy a house in the next year, but we just have the money sitting in a checking account or a savings account. You know, we'd love to earn a little bit of interest on it. Oh, like, there is no interest to be had. I am sorry. But it can, we can't do anything. No, like, not anything safe. And it's like, you have it in the safest place that it can be. And again, like, they weren't asking that because they were expecting a stock tip. They were asking that because they didn't know they genuinely didn't know that you know because all they hear about is what stock is doing well and in hindsight a lot of those decisions seem easy they think that we or somebody has like oh here's the next tip
2: the silver bullet What well, doesn't damon john have like a web series they could tune <laughs> into
0: he does all right how much do we have to save $100?
2: 100 bucks a month, 100 bucks <laughs> <Yeah>. a month. <laughs> yeah. Thirty years, eight million.
3: Gotten the the random text from friends and family about a dozen times in the last eighteen months. Like, what can I put my like my savings in to earn a little bit right now? And It's that FOMO. It's like th- there is yeah. nothing. There is yeah. nothing other than cash, other than checking or savings. But you and I talked about this earlier this week, and you just brought up the four hundred one k and how the information they give them is so bad. It's literally just past performance. But I got a text from my brother-in-law, I guess, Monday. And he's like, hey, I'm starting a new 403B, a Roth 403B. Um, Where where should I invest it? Like from the standpoint of like, which vendor should I use? He used the term vendor. So he sends me the list. And it's Aspire Financial Services. So that's some kind of fee-based platform, guaranteed. AXA Equitable Life, Life Insurance. Cades Margolis, crap. (laughs) Lincoln Investment, maybe some investments of, like, worth. Bright House Life Insurance, life insurance company. Security Benefit, life insurance. valic annuity. And last but not least, Vanguard. I'm like, Vanguard? So I'm just, like, what you said earlier made me think about that exchange with my brother-in-law. And it's like, okay, so they gave him, like, eight options of which about seven are horrible. And there's no explanation. Like, it doesn't say, hey, Valic. What we specialize and what we do is like strictly annuities. This is why no one under the age of 59 would even buy one of these. Like they don't give them any information. And I'm like, dude, do Vanguard. Let me know what options that you have. Right. And tell all your colleagues to call us
2: because they don't need to make the same mistake.
3: And it's just, I don't know how people like my brother-in-law are doing it, man. I don't know how they do it without anyone helping them that means there's millions of people out there that are just i'll just uh valak and i'll put it in this and it's just a horrible horrible decision
2: i mean it opens up a bit of a can of worms but the teachers have been getting hosed for a long time these tax sheltered annuity products have been bilking teachers um unknowingly since for the 20 years I've been in this business. so it's,
1: Yeah, they just let the wolves in the hen house, you know, and they do these luncheons and presentations, and they don't know any better, and they just – it's the only person that's talking to them about investment decisions, yeah, and, and he's, end up in the worst possible ones. He's in the school district, yeah. so he, mm-hmm. he works in a school which is exactly what we're
3: talking about. Yeah, it's interesting.
0: All right. When sweatpants are epiphanies. This is from Frank Bruni of the New York Times. Frank's article attempts to find silver linings in the ways we've adapted to doing things during the pandemic and suggests some practices and habits should be here
2: to stay. I think I could easily take a position that um, if I wanted to, that the, the kind of that full schedule, full tilt, hustle bustle, kind of, you know, American lifestyle is I don't know what created unbelievable productivity, the competitiveness, the high achieving, um, the most prosperous country in the world. Uh, I mean, I look at and I and, and my, my tongue's in my cheek a little bit here when I say Europe's been wearing sweatpants for about a generation. <laughs> um, I mean, when when a, when a continent takes, you know, half of July and August off, And should we be surprised that, you know, they're, um, you know, from an economic standpoint, you know, lagging a a lot of the world. So that would be my, if I'm going to take a position that like, you know, the pandemic and this work from home and work in sweatpants type of like, is that really a good thing? I think there are some things that Frank in his article talks about that are good. And I've had some really good work days in my sweatpants over the last year, but I wonder if it's, if we want to continue to be the the leader um, from an economic perspective globally, if that's if that's if that new way of doing it is in fact going to be the way,
1: yeah. So my issue with this, my beef with this one <laughs> was that it was a short article as well, and I and I don't give him credit. He was trying to be, I guess, positive and optimistic about yeah. the good that came out of it. Agreed. But you know, his point about kids, I. I strikes a nerve with me because he kind of makes the point that, hey, it was great for kids to learn from home because the family unit got closer together and all this and all that, which I don't think that's true for most people at all. Um, And I'm, I'm half joking, but I mean, certainly there's part of that. But the downside of them being stuck in four walls is far worse in my view. No doubt. And for Frank to ignore that part of it, I mean, maybe it wasn't the point of the article to point out all all the bad, all the obvious bad to this, but um, you know, I think I think that's that's a, that's a miss in my view. It's almost like he's saying, "Hey, kids, kids and families really benefited from this." No, they didn't.
0: Well, and that's my bigger beef is like, why do we have to act like there was any good? Like, why why can't we just say it sucked? And there were a lot of things that sucked about it and move on like why do we have to find a silver linings in everything because to some extent nearly everybody on the planet experienced a worse 2020 than 2019 or than than 2018 Uh, like why can't we just say that is it it happened let's chalk it up to an l and move on and not have frank bruni writing articles with sweatpants and epiphanies in the same the in the title
3: I'm a I'm a huge Frank fan. I disagree with pretty much all of you, um, because all those art every every piece of information you pick up is how much it sucked, and every person you talk to is some person complaining about 2020. And he's like, wow. And Europe has decided as as a culture to have that ingrained in their society. If we allow more people to work from home, they're still. The United States is still gonna have millions of people that are drivers and A personalities that are gonna lead us and continue to lead us. But yeah, work from home if you're frickin' sick. Don't come in here if you have a cold. Yes, wash your hands more often. That's a good thing. We're not gonna do 20 people Zooms with my family during happy hour anymore because we learned that was stupid. Like, thank God that we've moved on from all that stuff. And he's just, I think, highlighting, hey, Look on the bright side. We learned a few things from this whole mess that we just experienced. So that's the way I interpreted it.
2: Has anybody found that as things have kind of, um, and maybe not kind of, but have really trended back to maybe pre-pandemic life, kids are back in school, sports are operating, that we very quickly got back to being in the office, um, like, like staggered meals. Like there was a time where like, Carmen and I walked the dog together. We went for hikes. The yeah. kids, we had family meals every night. That was all very rare. Frank was hyping it as, yeah. like, and they, you, you can't deny there were some, there were some really fun evenings with the family. But drop of a dime, like, we're back in business. Yeah. It didn't take long. Like, those, like, new pandemic traditions aren't like, uh, they're it. not lasting.
1: Yeah. No, because I think that it, the family unit, and the family um, group, is critically important, but equally so is the community around you. And if you if you strip away the community and that's not available to you, it's damaging and it's not it, it's not permanent. It can't be. And I just feel like there's a lot of people out there that don't want to go back to pre pandemic. They love it. They love not having to deal with people and they love working from home. And I, I, I think there's a there's a pendulum swing that can go too far and I think it'll come back. It's not it's not black or white. It's not like oh everybody can work from home now. We've we've learned that. No they can't. Right. And
0: some more of them don't they. want
1: to. Right.
0: Like uh, if you want to work from home and you can work from home, then work from home. Right. But like why didn't you work from home before the pandemic?
3: Cuz their bosses wouldn't let them.
0: In every case. Like I, I, just, I just I feel I like know. that we're using that the the pandemic as like oh there's we we adapted right we worked from home because we had to but if you genuinely felt that your life lifestyle or circumstance would be benefited from being at home then why wouldn't that have been something presented to you before then
3: i think this area that we live in specifically the northeast this it's a it's a crazy area and your value is determined in a lot of cases by how much time you spend in the office and that's Maybe this happening is forcing some business owners to go. Oh, wow! The person that stuffs envelopes can actually like just do that from home. Why do they have to come in here? To, and I'm using that's a bad example. That's a horrible but, example. But <laughs> I, I just I don't know if every employer was open enough to having their employees work from home. Air quotes. I don't know.
0: Yeah, and I don't know either. I, I guess I just I feel like that item specifically is like the one that we keep talking about right oh what are, what's gonna happen to commercial real estate like are we all are we gonna have office buildings again it's like there are a lot of people like us who enjoy the collaboration and the social aspect of their job there are a lot of people who don't mm-hmm. who cares mm-hmm. where you shake out yeah and and maybe that's easy for me to say because our jobs are very transferable to home or to, to the office but A lot of my friends, a lot of the people I know, a lot of the professionals I know had the same experience. And I'm not diminishing other people's experiences, but I just feel like if you wanted to work from home, you did. And some people who didn't decided they liked it, I hated it. And (laughs) I don't know, I guess I just feel like that one specifically seems to be the constant topic of conversation. I'm just over
2: it. Yeah. And I think I might've been talking my own book a little bit about the whole productivity and competitiveness. I find myself very easily distracted in my home, not necessarily from other people, right? Cause my kids were, they were not distracted. I mean, they were on point, they were doing their schoolwork. I just had a tendency to pop, like find other things to occupy my time. Um, so from a personal standpoint maybe I'm critical of Frank's viewpoint because I'm sitting at home going like this ain't that good I'm not that productive I'm not helping my, my business partners here um, so that may be where yeah, I'm coming sure. from my bias um, but I know Mike you've been you've on the record you feel like hey in the office out of the office I can I can get my shit done you know not everybody I think feels that way
0: yeah
3: I think for the introvert that can still be productive at home this is a huge win for that person that has a job where they can still do that from home. I don't like our job, not in person, like for the record. Like I don't, you know, we'll have conference calls with clients or Zoom meetings with clients that are in California or Florida that we can't be next to, but I absolutely 100% prefer sitting next to someone, being across from the table someone, looking them in the eye not having the delay of Zoom when you're trying to talk to them. It's just, I find it brutal. I find it absolutely brutal.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think our like i I think that people have oversold the notion that our practice financial advice lends itself to being done you know virtually, and and we can have tremendous success by just having. That's just, to me, it's just not true at all. I, I mean, to your point, Jeff, I think it's way harder to establish a new relationship virtually, for sure. Now, if I'm a sales rep and i and one of my customers is two thousand miles away in Denver, and I usually get on a plane, you know, once or twice a year to have dinner. That goes away, yeah. Because then you just jump on a call and uh-huh. and check in and make sure everything's cool, and there's no need to go through all that rigmarole. But I mean, rigmarole. I think <laughs> new business and business development very hard to do virtually sure. in any in any um, field. Yep. So. And we're just we might just be old. Like if someone I think yeah,
3: I
0: think that's part of it too.
3: Yeah. If uh, someone wanted to like come to my house to like give me a quote on something, I would prefer that than the guy or gal who says, "Hey, let's just zoom and like go over I'm like ooh. Can't we can just come here and show me how many yards of mulch yeah, I need?" You're <laughs> a big boots on the ground guy. <laughs> what do we got?
0: Why we romanticize the past? Ah, the good old days. Were they really that good? Um, This is written by Charlotte Lieberman, and this was also the New York Times. Uh, Were the good old days actually better than the present, or do our brains have a way of embellishing our memories with imaginative elements, making it seem like the past was better than it was? According to Charlotte's article, it is more of the latter. Exploring memories, nostalgia, and the importance of existing in the present, Charlotte's article attempts to provide some perspective to those of us who yearn for the days that are already behind us. So, oh, you must have loved
2: this article Mm -hmm. because it was very
3: (laughs) psychology and I found it super cool um, talking about how our brain processes bad circ- uh, events that we've had and how mm-hmm. our brain po- uh,
2: processes like joyful events that we've had. So what what was your take on? It? Well, I think you you like the the joyful ones get embellished. Yep. And the the painful ones that I think they called it like the fading effect bias. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it's it's not surprising at all. Jeff, we've been 20 plus years working with pre-retirees and retirees. We've been working with 50, 60 and 70 year olds for a long time. And we've been talking about the good old days our, our whole careers. And I think we're old enough now to have some good old days too. Um, yeah, it, it, is, it is striking. And I, I came up with kind of one real-life example that I thought. My, so my wife, Carmen, gave birth to five kids. And I was thinking about like women giving birth more than once. Mm-hmm. Like how after that physical, emotional process that you put yourself through could you possibly go back to the well for more kids? Um, it, there has to, I mean, the, the human body and the human mind are designed to fade out the bad elements and highlight and project the good ones. And I think it's important. It's kind of why we are able to exist in an otherwise kind of scary, dangerous, and kind of a bummer world, really. It's, it's how we
0: cope. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the human mind is super interesting to me. And, You know, you think about, like, therapy now, which a lot of people, I think, are are more engaged in than they have been in the past. And, like, a lot of people have to spend time, like, finding those memories to deal with trauma. And it's just the fact that there are professionals, A, but also exercises, B, that allow you to, like, go to places in your mind to find memories that you've put somewhere else, like... It's crazy. It's crazy. You
2: have like a mental filing cabinet. Yes.
0: That you're, you're putting things and good and bad. I'm talking mostly about the bad, right? You're putting them away so you don't have to to relive them and so you can, can move on from them. But y- you file away the good stuff too and you file it away with these rose-colored glasses that everything else shitty that was going on around you in that moment don't even come back into that memory for a second. And I think like recognizing that is the only way right the the good old days goes away right because it was like yeah that me- that moment was good and i remember it as great but if i'm being totally <laughs> honest with myself like would i rather exist in 1970 as opposed to 2021 you'd be crazy. hell no <laughs>
3: It actually, they mentioned, like, it doesn't work like filing cabinets. Like, that's what we thought it worked like. Well, I thought that was a really cool analogy they use. Like, we're acting like archaeologists. Like, like our, our brains aren't mental, like, filing cabinets. It's you remember bits and pieces of things. And then in order to get that, to tell that story you, you got to dig up little bits and pieces of it and yeah. put it together. And it's not always like totally accurate. organized. Right, yeah. right. Um, I'm more referring to Owen's storytelling. It's not always 100% Well, <laughs> I was just going to say
1: that. I was just going to say it's connected to why you get together with, with, with the boys from back in the day or the yeah. girls and you yeah. tell the same stories over and over and yeah. over again. And usually they get more and more extreme <laughs> mm-hmm. because everyone loves it. And everyone loves to like, that's what makes you feel good is retelling the same old stories, yeah. you know? It's the same concept, you know? I thought of
3: women giving birth. I thought of the boys telling the stories. Like all of that kind of floated around in my brain. I also realized how much of a tweaker I am. Like I know I'm a tweaker. <laughs> but when they were talking about like, you have to bury the pain because if you were just going to relive your bad moments, like that's a horrible, like you can't go through life that way. You wouldn't. That's the way I go through life. Like, I'll, I'll make a comment. I remember specifically, like, last summer Melissa and I were out. I made a comment to the waiter, and it was just, like, I can't. Like, I said it, and I was like, you are such an asshole. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't giving the waiter a hard time at all. It was something completely different. I don't even want to share with anybody. But I'm like, God, it was such a like, arrogant thing to say. And I was talking to Melissa about it. I'm Like God, like we were talking about like my faults. I think at some point, and I brought that story up. And she's like, "Man, I'm like why are you still talking about that?" I'm like, "That's just the way. Like I, I review my life and horrible decisions I've made and horrible things I've done all the time." And she's like, "Yeah, but I forgave you for that. Like why do you still like worry about that?" I'm like, "I don't know. I just I
2: cons- I consistently beat myself up about it." She's like. You're crazy. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: You need a couch and some incense, brother. Yeah. I wonder if there I, and I'm sorry if I'm going down a little bit of a wormhole, but we were just talking about the pandemic and, 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 and the kids in particular. So we talk to a lot of clients who will, who do romanticize about the past, and you'll hear them say to us, who were all most of us raising kids in this environment, and they'll say, "Man, I don't, I don't envy being you guys raising kids today." Are they right? Was it like easier, better? Like if they it, most of the time they're wrong. It wasn't better in the past. But when it comes to raising kids, could it have been? If
3: we raised our children the way they raised us, we would be in jail. So no, I mean it's not. Like they would I would have to leave my house and I, if I was going out and I'd leave a note like, "Hey, go into the park. Be back at like 5 for dinner." I didn't go to the park. I went somewhere else. Like you couldn't even get away with like you. You just couldn't get away with that now. If if I w- if I raised my kids the way my parents raised me in today's world, it I'd be in
2: jail. No, but I guess what was yesterday's world a better world to raise kids is maybe more the question.
3: I think every every generation has its its good and its bad, and to just say well we didn't have the internet back there then so we didn't have to worry about that yeah but. I could literally walk to Wawa and buy a pack of cigarettes without <laughs> without question, like hey, buying cigarettes for grandpa and they would sell them
1: to me. Was but, that better? you know but the internet and social media and all the things that people criticize about today's world also has tremendous positive um, mm-hmm. effects, tremendous, like un- unparalleled the information, the availability, the opportunity that every person has because in the past, they would have just been a teacher or a, or a salesperson selling for IBM or, you know, go to med school and be a doctor. I'm serious. Like, the, there's yeah. just so many more opportunities now. And that's a result of largely technology. Mm-hmm. Yes, technology also has all the – so, it, it again, I, I always say it's nothing – it's gray. It's gray. Some areas it was better. Some areas it's worse. Um, but I – like you, Meg, I wouldn't trade. I, I wouldn't, wouldn't want to be born any time before I was. Any other time. I
2: push back every time. A client or anyone brings up, like they wax nostalgic about <laughs> yeah, the good old right. days. Um, I really do, and I think like the the we'll, we'll mention like the computing power of the phone in their wallet or in their handbag, you know. And it's like you have no idea. They have more money, they have more safety, they have more health care, they have more everything than they've ever had. And they're looking at their childhood when there was like you know f- there was gas lines and there was wars and there's all this craziness. And it's like, wait, it was better then.
0: Any woman who says that is off her rock. <laughs> any woman who can be in 2021 and look at the opportunity that females have, how much progress we collectively ha- have come as made as a society, how, how far women have come. Like to look back at li- literally any time period before like 1995 and think like, I'd rather be a woman then than now, you're a nutcase. <laughs>
3: I think there's a lot of different genders, cultures that would that would say this, uh, echo the same thing. Like to be able to yeah. be homosexual and gay today, sure. and to come out of the closet. Like, no do one they even ever
1: pick up an earlier birthday?
3: Do they no. even have closets anymore, or can you like you're just you're gay and everybody's okay? Most people are okay with it.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah I think a lot of people would echo that. Yeah, same. I think
0: socially, that's a good point. Yeah. There's been a lot of progress. And it's funny because I
2: think it all it took was to pause and to think about it like we are. And you start to be able to literally identify a million reasons why, like the good old days were good, but they really weren't that good, <laughs> you know? And then these researchers, these like, you know, these Harvard and MIT folk actually study the brain and they, they teach you why. I mean, it, it's amazing to, to see how that works. And we see it all the time with money, right? We see it in our business like all the time, how the mind just tricks us into seeing things that maybe aren't even really there.
0: Yeah, and I think the like other thing is that they talked about is just the importance of being present and mindful. And I hate those words. Like I hate that that kind of like the connotation that's been associated with that, which is this kind of level of like Zen that I think is bullshit.
3: Power of now.
0: But like I think there is a lot to be said about not constantly, you know, looking for the next thing or or planning the the next to do and. And just recognizing that we're existing in, in a moment, however mundane or boring or inconsequential it may feel, there's a point in time where it will, will remember it for some reason. And, you know, I think we generally, because of technology probably, and just the pace of our lives, struggle with that. But when you think about the context of like, and really just how our brain works, how important it is to like... Sit, <laughs> yeah, and and recognize that I, I think was was a cool part of the article as well. Ready for our top five? Top five.
1: Top five nicknames.
0: Top five nicknames. Does yeah. You guys itself? want the new guy
2: to go? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go first. <laughs> this could make it a one and done. So
0: <laughs>
2: maybe back for episode hundred. All right. So I I I started. Very focused on athletes because I felt like that's where it led me. Um, But it led me to a place, it it was absolutely immediately on the top of my head, the Raging Cajuns, University of Louisiana at Lafayette. It's their mascot. I don't know if a mascot counts as a nickname, but I love the Raging Cajuns. (laughs) So that is the name of the mascot,
3: or they're like, it's not like the Albright Lions, but everybody calls them like the Cougars. Dude, <laughs> the I don't even know Cajun. if it counts, but I love the Raging yeah. Cajun.
2: Um, we'll have to go to the review booth for that one. Um, babe Ruth.
0: Which one uh, do you have?
2: So, yeah. yeah. Oh. George Herman Ruth was his name. And B- so
0: you're going with Babe.
2: Babe's the nickname. Yeah. I think
1: okay. that's what, a... That, wasn't it Bambino
0: it was the sultan of swat he has he had a it lot, lot.
1: sounds lot. like everybody landed on babe <laughs> he 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 had a lot. He we're like focusing
3: uh, oh you're right. using babe, babe. i'm going to leave
2: i'm going to leave my hockey one to mike cuz i'm sure it's on his list uh, No, guarantee it's not okay i'm going to skip it anyway i'm going to go to <laughs> someone who's been in the news recently tiger woods tiger's his nickname his name's eldrick woods interesting went with tiger okay it's a good one and then I'll, I'll throw. This is going to create a really nice diversified portfolio. Uh, Spike Lee, his name's Shelton Jackson Lee. <laughs> not sure if you guys were aware of that. Was not. Uh, Do the right thing, famous mm-hmm. uh, Spike Lee. And then the last one, and I came up with it late in the game, but I was really excited about it. Philly. Okay. City of Philadelphia,
1: our city, Philly. It's a good it's one, a one. great name. That's actually a good one. So there's one,
2: one. one on mine that
3: I thought for sure was
1: on I had one in Do the Right Thing, the movie. Actually, had one of the characters, but couldn't use it because it's inappropriate for the, oh, no for way. the family uh, audience. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you offline. That's ironic. <laughs>
2: Do the Right Thing twice in this the 50th pod.
0: I'll go. Okay. All right. So the first one I had, can we guess?
3: I think it's on my list. King because... James?
0: No. All right. No, that's a good guess, though. The answer.
3: Yeah, I, I knew that was on your list. I love AI.
0: The are we familiar with the movie Sandlot? Yep. Benny the Jet Rodriguez. I thought about that one too, man. Our
3: lists were very uh, similar, Meg.
0: I went with the Splash bro- Bros, which is Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, who I love. God, stupid.
2: <laughs> I might I might hate that one. <laughs>
0: okay, I don't know if this is a nickname,
2: so we
1: we'll,
0: we can review. McLovin from Superbad? Sure. Is
1: sure, that that, that'll count. is not that his actual name? No, it
3: was, was his, his fake his name ID. on his
0: fake. It wasn't oh, yeah, his yeah,
3: real yeah. name. You're right. You're but right. then they okay. started calling him McLovin, right. especially the cops, so right. that would okay. count as a nickname. Okay, yeah. cool. That's a good one.
0: And then the last one is uh, Greg from Meet the Parents, whose name is Gaylord Focker. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, they were calling him Focker. Yeah.
1: I guess that was his, his last name, it, right? That was his yeah, last yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, but
0: then right. he, like... Great.
1: so <laughs> all right around the horn i guess i'll go here um my my number five is is not a person but i love the nickname for some reason hell's kitchen <laughs> hell's kitchen that's a great one
2: yeah
1: if we're doing places that's a great one um where the mullins Mullen brothers grew up oh
2: yeah that's in uh new york in somewhere new york. right yeah mm-hmm.
1: yeah, yeah. Love that number four. I've got, and this may be a, a violation because it turned out to it started as a nickname and then it became his real name. But Evil Knievel,
2: love Evel. really
1: last, real last what do you name mean? Knievel. He changed his name uh, formally to yeah. Evil. I mean, that's crazy. So we'll give it to okay. You. Okay, look, look <laughs> on a technicality, Evil <laughs> Knievel. That's a great one. Um, my sports one is there's a an old time enforcer that ran around in the nineties played for a bunch of teams named Stu Grimson <laughs> nicknamed the Grim Reaper <laughs> dude he's a legend he's an absolute legend what yeah. was
3: his real name Stu Grimson <laughs> Stu
1: Grimson yeah, I dude, think I like not, his real not name but want to fight that, dude, dude the Grim Reaper like 6'6 six, six, madman and my number two is uh, I mean I could be number one but um, Fred Berry played the character Rerun in What's Happening that's great why Rerun because he kept taking the same class over and over again. I, you know, he couldn't pass to the next grade, so he called him rerun. <laughs> oh, my great, God. He broke out rerun. Yeah. And then number one, it's actually not a person, it's a noun, though. <laughs> Billy Beru. Oh Judge Snail's putter. Oh, Billy. Billy, Billy. Billy. <laughs> yeah
3: a good one too. i love a billy yeah. bro since we were doing objects <laughs> <laughs> i really i mean i have one i need to eliminate the answer was on mine but i had i had i had some other ones that i could insert instead of that one um all right i'll use the one i thought would definitely have been on your list Jimmy superfly snooker <laughs> knew he to have a <laughs> I, <knew it. laughs> I mean, super fly. superfly
2: snooker it's can't be beat
3: yeah um God. All right, I'm gonna go also with um, Bernard Hopkins. He had a few, uh, but his main one was the Executioner, which I thought mm. was just
0: <laughs> phenomenal.
3: Mm. I think if I remember correctly, he would actually come into the ring with like the black hood on, mm. like the execute. It was awesome. He was also called the Alien and B Hop, obviously. Um, I'm gonna go with the Prince of Darkness. Nobody? Ozzy Osbourne.
2: Is he the Prince of Darkness? Oh, yeah.
3: The Prince of Darkness is, is one of his one of his nicknames.
2: Man who bit the head off a dove at some point?
3: Yeah. Um, I think it might have been a bat. <laughs> dove, I think it was bat. a bat or a chicken. I don't movie. know. It's an urban legend. Weapon X might be B-Doc. my number one. Yeah, B-Doc. And then I'm torn on my last one. Shocking. <laughs> I'm going to go with, um, with Frank the Tank from... Uh, <sighs> Right. Yeah, I'm <laughs> old <That's> school. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. Yeah, Here's thanks. Yeah, thanks. Guys, it's, it's,
2: yeah, it's fun, to, fun to be a part of it. Hopefully you pick up a listener and don't lose too many of them <laughs> and get invited back for the hundo.
0: Until next time.
2: See ya. Yeah, take care. Peace.